0: Welcome to VR in Education.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome to another exciting episode of VR in Education where we dive deep into virtual reality for teaching and learning. Today, we have the pleasure of talking to Nina Jane Patel. As the distinguished president of research and safety and a pivotal co-founder at Kabuni, she is known as a visionary and authority in the realm of emerging technologies, including XR. She's an expert in championing safe, responsible integration Of these groundbreaking technologies in the education sector. Nina has an impressive resume which includes being a regular on leading media platforms such as the BBC and CNN where she uses her experience research and voice to fight for a positive digital future. She is here today to talk about her work. Welcome to the show Nina.
0: Hi, Craig. Thanks for having me. It's a real pleasure to be here.
1: You know, normally I always start with a, a pretty basic question, which is what what got you interested in VR and virtual worlds? But I want to mix it up a bit because I know your story a bit and it's a bit harrowing. So, you know, you are here today still championing, championing this space, but you had a very negative experience when you first got interested in this. And yet you're promoting virtual worlds still, the metaverse, if you will. Tell us a bit about that.
0: Yeah, it's been quite the journey. That's for sure. Um, maybe moving, um, you know, talking a bit before my harrowing experience in, in, uh, this, the, in VR, I could talk about what initially drew me to VR, Um, And that really is my interest in um, the possibilities of virtual reality to uh, enable us to have more authentic human connection and human communication through the technology, through the mediation of 3D technology, so that we can step into our digital experience from the top of our head to the tip of our toes, um, so that we're not bound to the desktop or the laptop, or the smart device in our hands. We are now, and we're seeing it uh, a big step in in advancement of that through um, spatial computing where we are moving more naturally uh, in a mediated, a digitally mediated environment. And so that's what drew me initially in 2018, 19 to the space. Um, and I actually hosted my own set of um, podcasts. <laughs> In uh, 2019, between uh, body-based practitioners and um, technologists, with my kind of view on bringing together people who understand human movement and human nonverbal communication with technologists who are building the technology that will be integrating into our lives in education in the workplace. Uh, and really wanted to explore how we could get more um, practitioners and professionals from those of us who understand the human body, human communication, nonverbally, kinesthetically, and, and um, you know, from a, a physical and non-verbal perspective uh, and bring that, some of that language into um, the technologists uh, and coders who are, who are creating these environments. So that was kind of my original foray into it. And then, in, and then, you know, the harrowing experience you've described is kind of um, the advocacy work that has, is the basis for the advocacy work that I do now in 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 a space in a world you know um, that we are now introducing three-dimensional, technologically facilitated social environments for our children, for you and I to spend time in with uh, and. Without really truly looking at how to prioritize um, safe, responsible use of the technology, uh, and and uh, how we can consider um, the child's rights, human rights as a cause, as a as a um, the pivotal space of where we begin the design process and how we integrate these new tech technologies into the lives of children, and young people, into the education sector, uh, and prioritize the positive aspects of the technology before we uh, allow um, the negative access, uh, aspects to uh, perpetuate and to, and to continue as we see them in the 2D internet. And now we're introducing a 3D experience of that. And we haven't really solved any of the problems that we we have uh, currently.
1: Yeah. And in one of your interviews, I think it was with NBC news, they were quoted in there of saying the metaverse is the new wild, wild west for kids. And, you know, it dawns on me, you think we would have learned from, you know, the cell phone and some of the unsupervised usages of cell phones and those stories. But, you know, maybe we haven't yet. Or, you know, I guess tell us a bit about what some of your research is saying in regards to this and all the talks that you have been doing.
0: Yeah, I think, well, I recently completed a research project um, here in the UK with University of East London and Middlesex University and um, at U- University of East London, it's the, inter- uh, the Institute of Connected Communities and at Middlesex University, it's the uh, Centre for Abuse and Trauma Studies. So it was a really interesting group of researchers who were looking at this from the lens who are actually criminologists and, and have just completed, or a little bit of overlapping, a, a really deep investigation into the um, Uh, UK and EU uh, causes of cybercrime. And so um, they were coming at this at the lens of, okay, we did this deep research into what's making kids engage in cybercrime and what's causing trauma and abuse and what's causing abuse in the 2D Internet and, and wanted to look at now what's possible in virtual reality, the metaverse, spatial computing, all of these emerging technologies, because they felt like they had a handle on it. Right. They thought, OK, all right, we've got this under control. We understand this. And then um, I kind of came along and introduced them to this concept of of what I experienced, the harrowing experience of sexual harassment in in virtual reality. Um, and then this opens up a whole new uh, realm of uh, potential trauma uh, and abuse. And and so in that research that we've just completed over the past 12 months, we did um some consultations uh, and child-led participatory research um, to understand how they're currently experiencing um, the metaverse virtual reality and also 2d platforms that, that can form aspects of the metaverse and, and what their experiences is, is and overwhelmingly um, children have been experiencing or are witnessing um, abuse uh, homophobia misogyny racism um, it's there it's already there, you know. And, and some people consider us to be at the inception uh, of of the metaverse. You know, many uh, are of a different opinion that it's been around for a long time. But you know, as a as a mainstream um, possibility for people, especially for children, to entering into the space, and these unfortunately, uh, the first things they're seeing are are bullying and um, negative aspects. Um, and of course, there are fun aspects to this as well. And I think. You know, and not to lessen that or make that less significant, but how to highlight that because it doesn't have to be paired with the abuse and the trauma and the perpetuation of what we're seeing uh, online in terms of uh, how we don't treat each other with respect and dignity in these spaces.
1: And I mean, there's probably a plethora of possible whys and then solutions, You know, one, of course, I saw that Interpol has aspirations of actually trying to police the metaverse. And then there's other companies that proclaim that they have community members that kind of float around in there to try and enforce these rules. But is policing the answer here? Is this how we try and clean up some of this stuff that's going on? Well...
0: Uh, so I sit on the uh, Interpol's metaverse expert group. Um, and at this point in time, they just published their white paper recently um, this year. But w- again, we've been working on that for about 12 to 18 months. You know, hundreds of, of people around the world have contributed to that white paper and um, And what they're just trying to identify at this moment is the possible list of crimes that they may have to provide policy on in terms of methods for investigation of crimes in the metaverse. They're not yet speaking about how to police this, but what they're trying to do is create uh, potentially resources, uh, workshops, webinars, tools um, to support law enforcement officers on how to begin investigations for what might in the future be considered crimes in the metaverse. Um, I also uh, consult for uh, an American charity called Zero Abuse Project that supports um, uh, internet crimes against children, law enforcement officers and professionals, um, providing um, some webinars and trainings to understand at a base level what the technology is. You know, how does a VR headset work, you know, at, the, at a very basic level from, from your perspective, certainly, and, and, and how to, you know, if a child comes to them or a victim comes to them, how to um, begin the process of investigating this crime or suspected crime, uh, depending on where that, that may lead in terms of, you know, the evidence required to to make a case against uh, um, an abuser. Uh, and recently here in the UK, there was a um, report of a, a, a child, a young girl, uh, who remains anonymous uh, who reported her uh, experience of sexual harassment and um sexual uh, or sorry the rape of her avatar in uh, a metaverse and the uk uh, pl- the police here were investigating it uh, it's unclear as to where that investigation has ended or, or how it started even but the the media picked up on it and started started to talk about it and again you know it's an interesting debate is it real is it not does it is it a valid use of police time? You know, all of these questions. And, and you know, it is quite polarizing uh, as, a, as a discussion, as a debate. Um, uh, and 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 so my voice in the space is, we have to have this debate. You know, if we consider uh, VR in education and its capabilities and its potential, and we take that seriously as, a, as pedagogical innovation, as new methods to deliver content. And we believe in that, um, which I certainly do and fully support. We also have to understand that when things go wrong in these spaces, that we have to take that seriously as well, just as just as much as we when it goes well, right? And yeah. so we have to have that two-pronged approach in order to move forward responsibly and safely because the power of the technology um, is real, right? You've seen it in the classroom. And just as much when it goes wrong, it's just as real. Mm. We cannot put that on a hierarchy of what's worse, but we have to consider that it does some trauma, some damage, and we have to mitigate it. We have to consider um, how to support young children or victims of of abuse in these areas and move forward responsibly and and create ecosystems that do as much as possible to prevent that.
1: Mm. Besides policing I've wrapped my head around, uh, you know, another notion about these platforms and that's, you know, to what extent do avatars shape our virtual identity? And many of these platforms, Nina, allow you to fully customize, change your avatar to anything that you want to the extent that it might even heighten this notion that, oh, I'm anonymous, you know, no one will know. What are your thoughts on this? And is this what's exasperating ill behavior?
0: Yeah. One of the positive use cases of the metaverse is that you could be anyone you want, right? And I see the, the positive aspects of that, you know, exploring different aspects of yourself, um, being creative in ways that you can't be creative in the physical world, you know, all the possibilities that the technology can bring in terms of accessibility, inclusivity, equitable access, or, you know, equality and diversity. I, I believe in that, and I, and I see that as, as very positive aspects and use of the technology. I do believe we can do that and still hold people accountable for when they are um, causing harm. And we should be able to hold people accountable and not prioritize anonymity. Uh, over-accountability, and that doesn't mean we have to take away the different forms of self-expression that are available to us through the technology, but there are mechanisms to be able to hold people accountable for their actions in these spaces, and and that doesn't have to come at a detriment to their self-expression and and who they are, Uh, especially when we're talking about children and young people especially when we're talking about in the education sector, you know, we have a duty to safeguard the children that are in our care. Um, and, and one of the, the beautiful things I think about prioritizing VR in education is that it is co- potential for co-design uh, with educators who are the people that we trust in society to help us raise our children should be the ones who are contributing to the shaping of the technology that is so impactful for a child's life, you know, from this day on and forward. And these are the people that should be a part of the designing and the shaping of technology, and they should be involved in the shaping of the, uh, and of the creation of the, of the ecosystems that are generated as a result. Um, so You know, to answer your question, I think think that accountability, especially in spaces where children and young people are going to be engaging, should be prioritized. Uh, And the Wild West that, you know, it has been referred to, it's not a necessary component to the technology. As adults, 18 plus, we we have, you know, we are empowered and and, and can choose to engage in spaces that we don't want our children engaging in. But if we're talking about children and young people, just like we create safe schools and safe playgrounds, I believe we need to create safe metaverses and safe digital environments that our children can explore, learn, grow, free from harm. And that's the fundamental rights of the child. The UN Convention of the Child is that they have these rights to learn and grow and be a child free from harm. And that, even in the UN Convention for Rights, includes in the digital environment. But somehow as a society and as uh, as as governments all around the world have have just we've just kind of given up. It seems that digital worlds are going to be unsafe
1: Mm. and
0: that the only way we can um, continue is to teach our children and give them all of the armor in the world before they even step online. So we teach our children about what a pedophile is, what an online groomer is, what sextortion is before they've really even been able to enjoy the technology, right? They have to be afraid of who they're engaging with before they feel free to, or, or are free to explore the technology. And that's fundamentally impinging on their human rights because they've been their childhood has been taken away from them in the digital space. They have to worry more than they are free to play and enjoy.
1: One of the go-to teaching spaces here in North America anyway in regards to all this is a company called common sense media, are there other companies besides your expertise that you would recommend to educators who are just trying to learn a bit more about, especially the virtual worlds and what to teach and how to teach it to them so it resonates with kids?
0: Yeah, um... Well, here in the UK, there's a few. There's the National Online Safety that offers um, support uh, and professional development for for educators. I did a webinar for them. It's available online, um, and, and that's just a you know, you and I have to remind ourselves that um, we're a bit of a her- ahead of the curve in terms of knowing about the tech. You know, some people are quite skeptical, or they don't haven't come across the technology yet. Whereas you know, you know, we we talk about it all day, every day some people are still you know don't understand have never put a headset on have, have never really looked into the tech um and so and especially as as you know educators who are limited on their time and resources and capacity you know adding another technology to them just seems sometimes overwhelming so how can we do this you know that's in a fun way that allows and not too time consuming so you know the first thing is just to understand the language the vocabulary that's used in this space and and begin, you know, to, to be able to talk about it with their students and then potentially think about how to integrate it into their their classroom planning or their um you know, their lesson planning and how they can use it on the ground at a at a you know, what we call a grassroots level uh inter- and so that the, you know, the hardware doesn't gather dust in the back of the classroom. Um and how can we you, you know, make it a little less um a little less friction in the, in how to begin. And that, on, um, that learning curve that, that we so often see in terms of, yeah, it's great, but it's so, it takes so much time to figure out how best to use this. And I don't have that time. I've just got to teach and move on, you know? Um, so, so that's something we've been working on. Um, uh, you know, and you're obviously very much involved in working on and creating some amazing solutions and support in your work. Um, and I think that's just what we've got to do: is is one day at a time, one step at a time, uh, and then and then um, highlight and showcase those, uh, such as yourself, Craig, who are doing this type of work, and and um, show show the success. Um, and then on the other side of it, I just advocate for doing it safely, right, and and not to expose children to environments um, that, on some levels, are fun and very creative, but can also uh, endanger our children in in some capacity.
1: Yeah, and as an educator who does have a bit more time than others to try and investigate and explore these, you know, I have gone into these way more open virtual worlds, not that any are worse or better than others, but for example, I've been in Roblox, lots and rec room and VR chat just so that our listeners sort of have some context in Unfortunately, every time I go in, because they're so unstructured, right? There's, you know, you talk about, you know, you, you would never send a kid to a playground without a teacher there to help them navigate that space, i.e. a playground. It seems to me when I go into these spaces, even if they're, you know, they might be sponsored by the UN where it's supposed to be teaching them about viruses, because it's so unstructured you know, when I get in there, the kids aren't necessarily doing much, but running around, you know, one kid tried to jump on my head. And, and so I don't know what the answer is. I know some of these platforms are trying to get into more formal education, but can, can you have an unstructured world and still have education, so to speak? I guess I should probably use air quotes there. You know, is there is there a way to clean these up? Because, again, back to my very, one of my very first statements, I, I did feel like I was in the wild, wild west because no one has taught these kids, and I don't know them. So it's not like I can stand up like a teacher and say, wait a minute, everyone, you know, come sit on the, the virtual floor here. Let's talk about, you know, what this space is supposed to be about and yeah. so on.
0: Yeah. Yeah, look, I don't know. The... Yeah. So we talk about boundaries. We talk about structure. We talk about, you know, the rules, you know, you know, and what are what how can we be soft in those boundaries and those rules when as an educator in a playful environment? You know, there's always a balance in there, isn't there? And then, you know, in a virtual environment, a social virtual environment where people are coming from all over the world with different cultural values, different Mm. times of day right? What's acceptable at 9am in the morning versus 10pm at night, you know, just the very basics of this. And that's kind of what a a call to action is, is like, let's consider more, more closely what this means um, to us as we engage with each other as human beings in open environments. And, And, and some of the difficulties come because we're opening social virtual environments that don't have real clear boundaries and rules, uh, wh- where as opposed to, you know, people, who, children who have access to these worlds or usually have access to other games as well. So they're taking the, cu- the culture and values of mm. other games into across to other spaces because they've learned how to behave in this world Whatever it may be, what, if it's a battle royale? If it's you know some usually some sort of life or death situation where the whole point is that I am the sole survivor and I get to win. And then you move them into a space where you're encouraging them to learn about the environment, or, you know, learn from David Attenborough or whatever it whatever holistic and, and socially responsible cause it might be. But they're bringing those values where they've been very successful at those life or death situations and bringing them into other worlds. Uh, that that's not the purpose. And I, I think that's where we're getting it wrong right now is that we think that, okay, kids know how to game. So then they know how to just be in a social and virtual world, but actually know what they know how to do is survive in a game, in a gaming environment. Um, Cause that's what they, all they've been taught, you know, and, and that's what they've learned and they become rewarded for it. Uh, and then you, you ask them to come to another environment where that's not the purpose uh, and, and that's where you get this clash of consent, this type of behavior uh, that is damaging, such as sexual assault or homophobia or misogyny, whatever it might be, because it's promoted in other environments. And so, yeah, we're just not, not putting enough thought into it as platforms. And and, as, um, and, and then there's a the whole other aspect of this about, you know, the, the, the proponents of the technology for the purpose of marketing and advertising to mm. each other and the harvesting of our data to, you know, in the future, in terms of how we engage with this, you know, world, virtual and physical blended worlds and the e-commerce capabilities of that. And, um, you know, and we put those two worlds together where we're suddenly, you know, making um, Oreoverse, where we can engage with Oreos in ways that we've never engaged with Oreos before. but is that the best use of the technology i don't believe so and i really think we can do better and and that's often you know what I, I ask educators and parents and people who aren't involved in the industry to say we need to demand better because this is the best the technology can do which it's not but we really need to demand better and and and, and begin to become more educated and and conscious of our digital uh, interactions uh, in order to shape, contribute to shaping the technology, because we all have a role to play. Unfortunately, we all do. You know, as much as we don't want to face it, every interaction you have with a device, every like, every purchase, uh, every, every, everything that you do digitally, the data is tracked, the, and then it feeds the algorithm, and then mm-hmm. it, it spits us back more of the same, and then and then we're we're confused about why it's doing damage. just because we showed. The AI, the algorithm, the, the the machine, the worst parts of ourselves, mm. and because we were, weren't conscious of how it was going to impact us later down the road, and and now we're coming to a place, you know, the research, the evidence shows that um, the human race doesn't look so good digitally, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and then we're compla- complaining because AI is doing, you know, atrocious things and creating atrocious things uh, that we don't want, but, but we trained it. How to do that and the same is happening in you know virtual environments we're training ourselves how to behave badly in these areas in these spaces and then we wonder why bad things happen and there's a huge re-education process that needs to happen yeah Yeah. and part of it is because you and i craig um you know we're we uh, you know when the internet was introduced into our lives we all did just shrug it off and say it wasn't real Mm -hmm. just turn the computer off and now we're the ones raising this next generation of children who are grappling with this middle space of, oh, but I was told, just turn it off. My child is saying they feel something very real. And my, my instinct, my conditioning is to say, just turn it off uh, because our feelings weren't validated. Right. When I when I felt uncomfortable or uh, I was bullied online or, you know, It wasn't. It wasn't. It was just turn it off, and and I get those responses about VR as well. Just take the headset off. Don't go into VR. But that's not the solution. We need to. We need to say you are feeling this way and hold that, and say okay, Mm. let's understand that, let's unpack that, and then somehow create ecosystems that 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 mitigate children feeling this way and build technology accordingly from there. And we're in this middle ground right now. That's that's quite messy.
1: Yeah, it's like gaslighting, right? Yeah. And partly because, like you said, of ignorance. So, you know, I'm, I'm not going to validate my son or daughter's experience because maybe I don't know a lot about what's going on there. Yeah. Know? It's fu- it's funny that one thing everyone's sort of following the Apple Vision Pro headset. And one thing I, I, I thought was unique about it was you can FaceTime in it with someone else with a highly realistic looking persona of yourself. But if I take the headset off and I give it to someone else, I, it won't portray that someone else as me. Again, there's some higher level tech there with facial cameras. And part of me likes that because it makes it easy, right? It's not as messy. I don't have to go in and double check that my son or daughter's picked an appropriate avatar that's not bearing skin and therefore inviting whatever. But uh, again, I also agree with you in that if, if we take away too many controls on youth in regards to how they look, etc., that it will stifer, stifle creativity and so on. So it's, it, even as someone who's thought about this for a long time, you're right. It's, it's not easy. And the answers don't just come like automatically this way.
0: Yeah. 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 It's very complex. And I think that is a very much the right choice um, with Apple and because it's, it is an adult device and because we're encouraging adults to use the technology for work and there are real laws around um, representation in the workforce uh, and harassment in the workplace, you know, and, with the with the you know as we know moving towards this world where we're physically and virtually blending um the realms that that these are going to be serious issues in the workplace in the future you know um that you can't represent yourself uh in a particular way that's not how you represent in the physical world because because that's appropriation and and you know right now it might be uh the fidelity actually in in the headset and also the the codec avatars from meta are unbelievably uh lifelike aren't they and so Mm -hmm. we're we're very close to seeing okay yes we have to put in some boundaries in terms of how i can express myself in a workplace environment uh in using this technology and i think that was a really good choice um from to, to to kind of um kind of uh, clear that up for for um, for all of us, so that you know if your son puts your, head, your headset on, your your spatial computer on, uh, that he cannot present as you in that space. And I, yeah,
1: do you think that the cartoon-like avatars then in many of these worlds are giving the ethos of too much play? Like, would it would it help to a certain extent for youth if they were portrayed? more as realistic avatars as opposed to cartoon like avatars
0: well i think it's a very challenging space because the aesthetics of of mm-hmm. certain metaverses are very childlike and at the same time they are not meant built for children you know we we're definitely seeing you know spaces that are are have the aesthetics that to be of child animation you know but children should not be in those spaces but children want to be and i think um, you know, everything about the metaverse is very appealing to a child. You know, it's the gaming psychology is very much uh, geared toward uh, appealing to a child and the way that their mind works and kind of in competitive environments um, and learning, avi- you know, this kind of challenge, the quick moving, this st- high stimulation, um, the the psychology of motivation and such is very stimulating and appealing to a child. So, um, you know, and again, that's what's so fun about it. That's why there are, you know, Roblox and Fortnite are hugely successful. Um, and 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 Disney, you know, just invested what 1.5 billion into into Epic Games. Obviously, there's a strategy there, right? And mm. and with that investment, it kind of it just validates the the need for this conversation to happen about Uh, The first to adopt and to be truly integrated in this technology are children, right? It's very clear, not only the aesthetics, but, you know, this massive, the amount of money being invested in from a Disney's perspective into this realm, you know, and Lego made a big move into the metaverse as well, you know, and a lot of people, you're in my age and older and younger, consider this all to be just for children, that it it is just for kids,
1: but we know that it isn't, right? Well, it reminds me when we were kids, probably, we had way more freedom. Like I used to, you know, my mom used to say like, be home by dark. And now that's usually not the norm or the case. You know, we're living in more urban environments now. And so this almost becomes this psychological release for a kid to have a bit of ownership and agency over what they get to do. But now it's in the virtual world where it's like the parent says, you know, be home by dark, but in a virtual world kind of thing, right? Mm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, the complexity continues because currently the, the state of online safety is really put into parents and educators' hands, right? You know, where we have to be we have to educate ourselves, we have to understand the technology, and then we need to prepare our children for it. You know, and that is the current state of it. And that and that is what we have to do right now in terms of, you know, limiting the time, you know, parental controls. Um, and that's because the technology was never really designed for the child to begin with. And if it was designed for them, it was in a capacity to manipulate and to, you know, have serious, serious return on investment. Um, because we... We we have done a disservice certainly to the education sector in terms of technology, right? It's the last to be innovation to be apply the rules of innovation, uh, which I think is is shameful around the world um, that the education sector has so woefully left behind. And yet technology is advancing and integrating into a lot into children's lives in every other aspect of their lives. You know, from the moment they're born, you can track all of their physiological data through their crib, you know? And then from that moment on, their data is being um, collected, not yet seamlessly through, and not connected to them as a as an identity purpose, but, um, you know, a, a lifetime of data. And now a child will never be born in this world again without the concept of the metaverse being introduced to them or whatever we call it in the future, mm-hmm. right? And, and all of the, the data, the wearable devices that can be associated with that, um, is a, you know and none of it was ever designed or thought about from, from an infant an infant's child uh, point of view. And so I think we need to demand better for our children and we need to acknowledge that it's not the technology that can't be integrated into their lives. It's the ecosystems and the business models that need to change in order to safely and responsibly uh, integrate this technology into the life of a child. Uh, because it's going to impact every aspect of their lives, from their careers to their life partners, um, you know, to, to every moment breathing of uh, that they're breathing on this planet. There's it, it, a digital component to it.
1: I love that. It's actually a nice sort of segue to the end. I always leave sort of the end for an open-ended question, which is, is there anything left unsaid that maybe you think educators need to know about uh, this really important topic?
0: Well, I think there's two things. The first is, um, you don't have to know everything. You just have to be interested, be curious, ask a few questions. And I think one of the, the disservice we do as adults is, is diminish ourselves as tech people. Oh, I'm not a tech person. Mm. Uh, I don't understand tech, mm. right? It, okay, so we don't know how to code. You don't understand what, you know, of course not. No, nobody knows everything about everything, in the, especially in the tech sector. So so I think be a bit more proud of the fact that you do know how to use tech and, and to own it and say, I am a tech person. Because if you continue to have the perspective that you aren't, then it will be continually shaped without you and you contributing to it. And you will feel kind of disempowered and your autonomy is taken away from you because you feel like it isn't uh, mm-hmm. for you or was made for you. And I think we have a responsibility to take on more ownership about that. So we are tech people. We are all tech people. You're not a, that language needs to be taken out. I'm not a tech person. You know, we all have to be in it. I think especially as a woman in this space, I hear a lot of moms, you know, uh, the friends of my, my children's friends, moms who say, oh, I don't understand any of it. Oh, I don't even know anything. And we, we, we can't have that conversation anymore. We need to move on. We need to say, you do understand it and you are very capable of understanding it even more so that you can feel empowered and that you and that we are part of this conversation and shaping it as as mothers and as women um, the second point i leave with is um, we need to when your child or a young person comes to you either as a as a parent or guardian or an educator and they express some sort of concern about something damaging that they felt happened to them online, whether in the current state of the internet or in the in the 3d you know spatial whatever system they're in to take it seriously
1: mm-hmm.
0: and to, and please do not say just turn it off mm-hmm. because well said you can. You can close the computer, you can take your headset off, but the impact of that experience never goes away, right? As much as you want to, in your rational brain, separate the digital from the physical, from this day moving forward, what happens digitally is just as real as what happens physically. Um, And in in a world where a child will never be raised without a metaverse or spatial computing from this day on forward... We cannot underestimate the power of the technology, especially in childhood.
1: Mm, so wise. You know, how can people get a hold of you if they want to learn more about this topic? Like I said, it's it's still so new, and there's probably a ton of educators who don't even know where to get like lessons and resources or even just how to craft teaching uh social, emotional learning yeah. around this medium to kids. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think uh, the call for action is, is to become involved and learn and have these conversations as, as messy as they are right now, and they are going to be inevitably um, messy. But people can reach me, and I'm happy to have conversations um, and support in this kind of thinking on my website, um, LinkedIn, uh, all the same, Nina Jane Patel, and then um, and kabuni.com as well, where we are looking at a range of emerging technologies and considering pathways into safe practices and how to generate and harness the power of technology uh, to elevate life, uh, to do good uh, as opposed to harm. Uh, and, and, and yeah, and, and join in the conversations when you can, right? That's, that's what's important.
1: Amazing. Thanks so much for spending some time on the show today. And I really appreciate your thoughts.
0: Thanks for having me, Craig. It's a pleasure.